going we're here we're solo so i uh i moved out of hawaii my name is blake by the way <laughs> i feel like that's that's a good idea to introduce myself hi i'm blake uh go by blake alexander and um yeah what do i do i'm a stand-up i did a year of stand-up in uh in colorado did a year of stand-up in hawaii and now i am on my way to austin texas but uh stopping for a couple of weeks in connecticut to see what's up see what's up with the fam um here at my house, I have uh, I have my mom and my thirteen year old brother, which is uh, it's crazy to meet my brother. You know, I, I've met him before, but uh, to see him at thirteen, because that was an age when I was doing so many things. You know, I'll definitely get into it. You know, at a deep level. You know, probably probably a lot of times on this podcast. But at thirteen, I discovered I could suck my own dick, and uh, it's weird to look at him, that little creep, and like, what are you doing right now? What are you searching? I was watching people dying, people shitting in each other, prolapsed anuses. I was watching a lot of bad shit at 13. So I kind of look at him and I was like, oh, yeah. And I was also, yeah, experiencing a lot of crazy things. So it's interesting to look at my 13-year-old brother, you know, being 26 and like, uh, yeah, just remembering what it was like at that age. It's a, it's a weird thing. Like 13, you know, you're going through puberty, your vo- you're growing so much, your voice is cracking. Like, and it's an interesting age, 13, because you have, like, kind of a boy voice, like an innocent little kid voice, and then kind of a man voice. Like, my brother kind of sounds like a trans woman, so I'm attracted to him. <laughs> we've been, uh, we've been hooking up. We've been hooking up. Uh, no, I know I actually, I actually don't hook up with my brother. I am, uh, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied when I'm at home by my mom's four dogs. Yeah, she's got four German shepherds, so, uh. Yeah, they kind of keep me busy. They keep, they keep me uh, <clears throat> drained. Every time I come visit, my mom, she asks me one thing, one thing. She says, do anything you want to my dogs. Just please don't touch my son. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. You got four dogs. You got four, <laughs> four bodies for me to, uh, to explode on. So I appreciate that, Mom. I appreciate that. It's good, man. It's good. It's good to see my mom. It's good to see my brother. Uh, my mom's in a new relationship. She's got a guy moving in. So it's fun shit. It's fun shit. It's nice to connect. It's nice. I went down and saw my sister and uh, visited her in Naples, Florida. That was fun. I saw Brian Callen. I saw the kid. The kid. That was good shit, man. I saw my sister. Visited Naples. I went to Austin for a week. Check it out. Make sure I want to go there. You know, went to, uh, went to some good shit. Went to a couple shows there. Went to Kill Tony. Yeah, had a fun-ass time, man. But, uh, dude, this is fun. I'm already, uh, I'm gay, and, uh, you know, I'm just five minutes in, but I'm already getting comfortable with you. I'm getting comfortable with you. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm trans, so you got to know that, all right? You need to understand that I am a trans man. <laughs> you got to see what's happened with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> You see that Gislaine is finally, like, she's been, like, hiding in a New Hampshire bunker for a couple of years. How, how long has it been since Epstein killed himself? I don't even know. We just accepted it. But Gislaine is now, Gislaine, whatever, Gislaine, uh, come road, whatever it is. Gislaine is on trial. And I think the trial just started this week, dude. And I saw this tweet from, uh, from Bloomberg earlier this week. Listen to this. this. This tweet from Bloomberg Business. 
Ghislaine Maxwell's sex trafficking trial is set to be one of the biggest of the Me Too era, but the jury may have to grapple with a unique question. Is Maxwell herself a victim? There are numbers. There are multiple accounts. There are numerous accounts of Ghislaine going out and recruiting 14, 15, 16-year-old women from campgrounds, from fucking whatever the fuck, restaurants, bar, like parks around town. Ghislaine was the fucking recruiter. She was the, the, the go-between between Epstein and all of these girls. In the stories themselves, there's just an accuser today. There's like a woman who, who, who was on testimony today. And she said that Ghislaine not only came up to her, she was like walking a dog and then came over and struck up conversation. Like Ghislaine with this 14-year-old girl. 14-year-old girl struck up conversation. And then she introduces Epstein. And then they, you know, take him, take, they, they, uh, Epstein and her or whatever took her shopping, took her to a, on a couple trips or whatever around town. And then they invite her to the place. And Ghislaine, not only has, there's multiple accounts of her going out and meeting these teenage girls. But then these girls say that Ghislaine taught him how to massage. They're like, yeah, yeah, so what he likes is, you know, a little sensual massage. And <laughs> Ghislaine, to, according to the testimony of these, of these young women, Ghislaine got naked and taught them how to massage. It's like, Hey, dude, how can you be a victim as a 50-year-old woman who has re-victimized, victimized so many women, so many young girls? You're not a victim, okay? What are you talking about, okay? Ep- oh, oh, Maxwell's a victim. So, she's a victim in her million-dollar mansion, driving around her Bentley. Oh, she's a victim. Okay, okay. That's it, The media infantilizes women. The media infantilizes women. Like the idea that this 50-year-old connected woman that has so much freedom to go apparently just collect teenage girls from the community. (laughs) It's like the boys and girls fucking molestation club of whatever the fuck it was. But again, oh, is is Ghislaine a a victim? And I think that this gets to a really core idea, you know, is, yeah, is she a victim of Epstein? And I, I would even venture to say, is Epstein a victim himself? I mean, is he a victim of his own impulses? Is he a victim of, I don't know, maybe anti-Semitism in his life? I don't know. I mean, once you uh, you start to look at it, I don't know. Is, is Epstein a victim? Who's to say, really? I mean, again, if we're apparently looking at adults and just pretending that their actions as adults, that they're not responsible for those actions, all right, well, fuck. I mean, maybe Epstein was fucking diddled when he was seven, okay? Is that, is that all right now? Every what he's a victim. She's a victim. She's an adult. She could have escaped. any one of these little sprees when she went out to collect a fifteen-year-old at the fucking you know Krispy Kreme or Froyo, wherever the fuck fifteen-year-olds hang out. I know, I know where they hang out. <laughs> when she goes to collect these girls, if she was a victim, run! Hey, hey! If someone is forcing you to collect. Innocent young girls and molest them and rape them. Hey, when he tells you to go get another one, run, leave, go to the police, go to the FBI, okay? Ghislaine isn't a fucking victim. Stop.
pretending that, again, there's, as if there's any justification. And obviously this woman had extraordinary opportunities to turn in Epstein or stop actively grooming young girls. It's absurd. It's absurd. Are these are, are people? So what? Only the head hon- uh, the head honcho is the only one ever responsible. So everyone in the mob is like, hey, yeah, I'm a, I'm a victim. I'm a, of my mob boss. You know, he forces me to do it. I have no say. I'm a victim. It's it's absurd. It's absurd. Ghislaine is like she's the right hand woman of Epstein's like assault uh, fucking you know history. He she's she's like crucial. If you really really realize it, like. Epstein almost, I don't think he ever approached any of these girls. It's actually, it's quite brilliant, if I might say. <laughs> you get a cool, sophisticated woman to go make the introduction. Be like, yeah, dude, I got this, like, rich friend who's, like, super cool. And he's, like, he just likes massages from, like, younger girls. For, like, 300 bucks. And it's definitely going to be totally legit. And then she, she'll, she wins him over for a couple of minutes or a couple of whatever days or whatever. And then brings him over and then shows him how to do it. And this is according to multiple girls. And still the media's like, I don't know. I don't know. Was she, was she a victim? I don't know. So we're all Nazis under Hitler victims? Oh, well, they, again, the question is really, were they victims of Hitler? As they're, <laughs> as they're literally taking part in a horrible genocide and massacre. Oh, well, they might be victims. No, it's absurd. It's absurd. Are all, are all priests the touch kids victims? Is that? Oh, yeah, the Catholic Church, you know, the institution, yeah. Tells you you can't marry. Tells you you got to be celibate. You know, so these uh, these priests, they're, they're, they're suffering. And, and pro- maybe some of these priests, I mean, a decent amount of people who, who abuse other people were abused themselves. So it's like, oh, fuck, well, most abusers are victims themselves. Well, I guess that, you know, somehow removes fault. Blame. No, of course not. Of course not. Gislaine. Ghislaine knew exactly what she was doing, okay? She knew exactly what she was doing. And she liked it. She got off on it. She lived this life. Rubbing shoulders with Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, all the bills, all the cool bills, all the cool bills that like to fuck kids. She liked it, man. She liked it. Imagine who has those videos if Epstein actually recorded (laughs) the videos of... These different heads of state, like, banging these kids. Is it like, if there's, like, a video of, like, Bill Gates losing his boner to a 13-year-old. <laughs> like Bill Gates is fucking, there's, like, a tape somewhere of Bill Gates banging, like, a 15-year-old. And he's like, oh, oh, I swear this never happens. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I swear, this is it's embarrassing. This is my 23rd flight. I swear this never happened. I'm, I always get it up for kids. Like, specifically, I always get it up for kids. This is fucking weird that this... <laughs> and the third... <laughs> the 14 year was like, no, no, honestly, it's okay. Like, it, no, it's actually okay. Like, I'm a sex trafficking victim, so I don't really want to fuck you anyway. But, uh, yeah, man. For sure. These, uh... These people are weird. I, I do find it weird. These, uh... These people that... That want full body sensual massages from children. It's like Epstein. It's still illegal, but you could just get a full body sensual massage from an adult. Like, why does it have to be a fourteen year old? Okay, eighteen totally legal. Florida, I don't know, sixteen, seventeen. Why not just go legal? Okay, 
And then it's just, yeah, it's a hand job, so it's soliciting something. But a 14-year-old, 15, like you had, you, you had to just scoop a couple years under it. 18 to a 50-year-old is the same as 15. It just shows it's not about the looks. It's not about the attraction. He just wanted to hurt these young girls. And I'm, uh, I'm a big supporter of that, honestly. I feel as if Epstein died so I could take his place. If I could be completely honest with you, I am the next Epstein. I'm looking for my Ghislaine. Open casting call. <laughs> Open casting call for women that are interested in helping a man groom minors. <laughs> um, no, not, not groom for anything illegal. I'm not, definitely not admitting that on camera. Certainly not. But uh, I'm, let me put it this way. I'm looking for my Ghislaine. Okay? Okay? So if that sounds interesting to you, reach out. <laughs> All right, man. What the fuck? All right. I did put a couple things together just so I had fucking something. Something. But uh, what's going on with Biden, man? Yeah, you don't want to talk about politics. I don't give a fuck. Dumb fuck. Oh, you want to talk about politics? If this last year and a half didn't show you that, like, politics is, like, it's at least, you have to admit it's relevant. I would argue that it's hyper-relevant to every person in America. I mean, think about it. Like, politics precedes everything, you know, like from the bullshit, like the speed limits. But look at this last year, whether your business is open or shut. Look at this vax passport. You know, again, it's like what you can do and how you can do it, what police there is, you know, firefighters, everything. Like, all of your life. Like, yeah, obviously, like, if government's working pretty well, like, you just, you don't notice it. Politics, government, you don't notice it, but I like this last year and a half. Like, I like this, this, this new understanding that people have that, you know, again, obviously it's like, obviously a lot of people knew already, but like, we're like the 50 United States of America, bitch. We're not just America. And I love that shit. We got like 50 little countries. I love that. Like, all our governors are like little presidents. And we get to, we get to like, you get to vote with your feet. It's unconstitutional to stop you from moving state to state. So I love that. We're like, I like that state-by-state state breakdown. It's, I was in Hawaii for a while, and it's like, again, why? I'm not surprised by the government of Hawaii representing the people of Hawaii. That's the thing. So it's like if they want to have mask mandates two years into the pandemic, I'm fine. If that, again, if, they, they're, if that's what these people are voting for, that's fine. It's totally fine. But I can vote with my feet, obviously. I can move, of course. What can you do in a situation? You can, you can change it. You can accept it. Or you can leave. And I left, okay? I'm happy to leave. And now I'm in Connecticut. It's okay. It's better than Hawaii. So there's still a range, obviously, of, like, democratic states. Like, this is – Connecticut's all right. You have no mask anywhere and shit. Like, it's all right. We'll see with the new Omicron. Omicron variant. But, uh – I don't know, man. Politics is crazy, obviously. Again, I like politics. People maybe don't like to talk about it, but fuck yourself. You're an idiot. You're an imbecile. Um, oh, you don't vote. Oh, your vote's wasted. Oh, keep telling yourself that, okay? Because 70,000 votes determine Trump and 40,000 votes determine Biden. It, out of 330 million people, it came down to tens of thousands both times. It came down to a stadium worth of people. 
absolutely your vote counts, dumb fuck. Unless you're in a, I guess, a deep blue or red state. But, uh, I mean, still, you vote locally. You know, fucking vote, dumb fucks. I don't know. How can you fucking refuse that politics is important? I feel like at this point, it's like whoever two years ago was like, oh, just, oh, they're always fighting, they're always going back and forth. I feel like now you have to accept. It's like, yeah, of course, who you put into office that makes laws, mayors, of course, state legislation, federal, of course. But, yeah, who has power, obviously, is who gets to exert power over you in your life. So, But, yeah, yeah what happened just what happened in Virginia? Again, extraordinary swing against the left. <laughs> what happened in New Jersey? A 13-point swing in Virginia against the left, 16-point swing in New Jersey. Some pretty extraordinary, ba- you know, backlash. Inflation, 30-year high. COVID still surging. More COVID deaths this year than last year. Biden, we need adults in the room. Hey, Biden said he has a plan. Where is it? What are you doing? Hey, dumb fuck. I feel like Biden is the first president you could assassinate by tripping him. <laughs> I feel like Biden is one, like, rough shake from death. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's, uh, this is, yeah, this is, and, like, there's, like, this bullshit now, and, like, uh, we're, like, oh, he's gonna run. He's gonna run for re-election. I'm, like, well, yeah. <laughs> he cannot run up the front steps of his house. He's not fucking running for re-election, dumb fuck. And I'll tell you one thing. They're not putting Kamala at the top of the ticket. I'll tell you that, Okay. If Democrats want to get swept in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania by ooh, 10 points, run Kamala. Kamala. No, I'm going to keep calling her by the wrong name. I forget which one. Kamala. Kamala. I don't even remember which one's wrong or right. I, it's not offensive. I'm, I'm just a retard. Uh, oh, oh, he said that. Um. Oh, fuck. Mike's hard lemonade. Oh, shit. That's fucking good. No, I can't put it up by the recorder. I'm definitely going to fuck that up. Here, let's see. I got a candle out here. Hell yeah. I'm trying to romance. You know, be romantic. Set the mood. I, uh, I'm i going to end every podcast I do by masturbating to completion into a plant a la Weinstein. You know, learn from learn from your ancestors. Learn from the better people that came before you. Uh, no, it's, I just find it interesting with uh, with politics right now because Biden's not running, okay? Somehow, for some reason, they're pretending that he's going to run. Biden is not running, okay? And Kamala's not running either. And I love it. I love the catch-22 because absolutely, the, the left, the progressives, are going to be like, how dare you? You remove a, a black woman, but the truth is, is if you want to lose, run Kamala, because she is an abject failure. She's the least popular vice president in modern history. She ran for president, called Biden a racist, and believes Tara Reid's sexual assault allegation. And then Kamala, after getting for a moment of really fake buzz from calling uh, Biden a racist. She dropped out of the presidential primary. She dropped out with 1%, 2%. She's a fucking abject failure, okay? As a presidential candidate. Horrible. She dropped out before her own state. She was the Democratic senator from the biggest state in the country, California. 
and she dropped out with 1% of the vote. That's almost amazing. That's You'd almost have to try to be that hated. She's horrible. And then she was chosen because she's a black woman. Affirmative action. <laughs> and, uh, and again, if Biden dies in the next two years, she will be the first affirmative action president. Fine. Okay. Good. Whatever. Let her. What, what's going to happen is Biden's going to give her the bully pulpit. He's going to absolutely give her the presidency in the next two years. He's going to. In that last year or something. So she has the pulpit, and he's going to try to give it to her, and she's going to get destroyed if she tries to run. So that's why I actually think there's a war. There's a, there is a war between the progressive left and the moderate left right now. There is a little bit of a war. And uh, there's like Kamala Harris, the progressives are going to hang out to, and then Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete's like the, uh, you know, just got that transportation bill done. <laughs> he took fucking like five months of paternity leave. Oh, two gay men need four months of paternity leave. You hold national office, okay? Maybe one of the dads could take paternity leave. And the other one could work, okay? Because one's a teacher. Is that what Chastin is? Chastity? Uh, but no, but I like Pete. I honestly like Pete Buttigieg. He's a cool guy. He's cute. He's smart. He's a veteran. I, I mean, where would I saw Pete? I liked him. I like buttfuck Pete. He's a good guy. Mayor Pete, you know, very well-spoken. Got his emotions in check. But I watched this uh, on Amazon. There's this, there's this documentary, uh, Mayor Pete. And it's like, it's just lining, like, it, it chronicles the election in 2020. And again, it was extraordinary what he did. It was a small town Indiana mayor. And uh, and he made it all the way up to fucking, you know, he won. He won Iowa. It was just fascinating where, like, as Buttigieg was, was soaking in this truly historic, historic victory for the LGBTQ community. Unbelievable that he had just won the first state and won Iowa, which is, you know, again, not the most democratic state in the union. A liter- an extraordinary success and achievement. And then behind the scenes, what is what's happening? His husband is whining about how he's not going to be uh, be able to be on stage the whole time during Pete's Pete's speech. Apparently, Sanders had his whatever, you know, wife or whatever the fuck. Biden had Doctor Jill or whatever, Warren or whatever the fuck. It's like even gay dudes can't escape like the nagging bitch in the relationship. Like even like obviously Pete is like the the masculine one in the relationship, and Chastin is the feminine one. And there, there's this beautiful just moment of pure happiness and success. And even if you get nothing else after Iowa, it's it, it's it's hard to even quantify how amazing of a win that was for Pete Buttigieg. And what did Chastin talk about? His com- he was complaining, of course. He was negative and complaining because he wasn't going to be able to be on stage with him the whole time. It's like, dude, even gay dudes, even gay dudes, it's like uh, they're still dealing with the nagging bitch. They're still – they can't escape it. I fell for him. I, I, you know, I would have expected out of a wife – I would have honestly thought – Pete was fucking I would have thought Pete and Chaston were backstage slugging beers and just fucking Chaston was just sucking off Pete like you're the fucking man uh, 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 you're fucking you the first gay president sticking my ass come on my face I would have thought they were back there just fucking rallying you know just being a couple cool fucking gay bros 
sucking each other off and just fucking eating jizz and fucking swallowing success. But no, Chasten was complaining about how he didn't feel like he was going to get the same stage time as the women. All right, I'm sorry, Chasten. Okay, and I get it. You, you want to be able to be treated exactly like the women, and I get it. I get that. I get that you want that. But also, Pete's trying to win an election. You know, he he thought he won Iowa. He thought he was going to go to New Hampshire, you know, whatever, South Carolina, whatever the fuck after. And he thought he was going to go and fucking take it. Okay. He didn't want you on stage the whole time. The truth is, is you're annoying and you complain a lot. And I don't know. I just don't like Chaston as much. I love Pete. I don't like Chaston. Chaston is honestly Pete. Go single. Break up with Chaston. <laughs> Leave him. Leave him. Uh, be a deadbeat dad. But I mean, that's fine. If you have two dads, one of them can be a deadbeat. You know, one of them like is just more maternal. You think <laughs> you ever see a video of a trans person trying to breastfeed a baby? And like, what's just good for the oxytocin? And who knows? Maybe some milk will come out. <laughs> uh, that's I only tried to breastfeed my brother once, only once, about two days ago. He's thirteen, and uh, no, we did not have sex. Um, he just sucked my nipple. True story. It's the title of the new Kevin Hart series. Yeah, true story on Netflix. It's good. It's good. Kevin Hart plays kind of like a very similar version of like to himself, and uh, basically he stops in like Philly for a tour stop. Goes out one night. His brother gets him drunk. He like hooks up with a girl. He wakes up the next day, and they're like the girl that he hooked up with the night before is dead in his bed because she like overdosed on something. And then like there's like seven episodes on on what he does to try to. I guess, get yeah, just get rid of the body, you know, get rid of the problem. But, you know, waking up with a dead girl, it's, it's not that much of a problem. Come on. All I do is fuck her one more time and throw her off the balcony. <laughs> Easy. Easy. And then go to fucking, I don't know, Argentina. Is Argentina, like, why did every, why did every Nazi go to Argentina? Was Argentina just like, everybody, come here. <laughs> Come here. Is Argentina just like the Nazis of the South, South America? That's kind of sick. Like, w- yeah, what specifically brought them to Argentina? It's kind of hot to think about, yeah. Just like, I just watched yeah, Red Notice, too. It's like Nazi treasure and shit. I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like some Nazis really had a fucking... I had a good go at it, you know. I mean, not that I support what they did, but if imagine doing that stuff, <laughs> imagine doing that stuff, and then actually getting out in time to Argentina, and then like laying on the beach, and you're looking around, and you're like, ah, just a businessman, <laughs> just a uh, just retired, uh, yeah, just chilling out on the beach, just normal guy, definitely. Not a Nazi. Definitely not a horrible war criminal. It's kind of crazy, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about history. I know a little bit, but go fuck yourself. I don't care. But, uh, yeah, no, I saw this. I saw this other thing, too. This this article from Wall Street Journal. Uh, toxic positivity, which 
I like that as a term. Like, if there's one thing you can accuse me of, being toxic, okay, yeah, I'll take that. Toxic positivity, mm, I accept. Okay, don't think it exists. Don't think it really exists. Okay. All right. Th- 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 listen to this fucking article. Okay. This is the first couple line, like couple fucking sentences of this article. Sometimes the worst thing you can say to a person who's feeling bad is, cheer up. Chip Hooley learned this the hard way. At the beginning of the pandemic, his daughter Hillary called him in a panic. She and her husband had recently purchased an apartment in Brooklyn. Now she was worried that real estate prices in New York were falling and her friends were leaving the city. (gasps) Mr. Hooley, 60, an executive. He interrupted her, said, don't worry. This will all work out for the best, he said, launching into a pep talk. Oh, what a horrible person. I gave her all these positive thoughts, she, he said. And then his wife, who was sitting next to him, piped up. That was the most annoying conversation I've ever heard. Your daughter wanted to talk to her dad. And you didn't even listen. Okay. She wanted to talk. Did she want to talk to her dad? Because it sounded like she wanted to complain to her dad. It sounded like she just wanted to sit and wallow in self-pity. Oh, my dad. Things aren't going according to my plan, okay? I bought this condo, and, and a pandemic happened, and real estate prices are falling. Hey, you don't understand. You don't control the real estate market. You get that, right? So that's out of your... There's a oh, oh, global pandemic killing hundreds of thousands or millions of people. And you're worried about the rent prices of your condo. Ooh. That doesn't matter, and it's out of your control. And then what else was she worried about? Oh, and her friends were leaving the city. Wow, these are these are these are extraordinarily big issues to face. A 32-year-old woman called her dad in a panic to complain about things that were not only out of his control but completely out of her control. Real estate prices are falling and her friends are leaving the city. How long is your dad supposed to absorb your toxic negativity? Huh? Whoa, whoa, whoa. So when you're negative to a person, excessively negative, unnecessarily negative, obsessing about how things aren't going your way, and you didn't get exactly what you wanted, and it's not going to play. Wait, wait, wait. So when you're excessively negative to someone, and they're just actually accurate in going, eh, what can you do it's for the best or whatever? Like, you're going to have to do something, but whatever. Not really worth suffering over. Mm, he's a bad guy. Now, we, now when he's just honest that your problems aren't that serious? Oh, now that's toxic. Because what? You're obsessing about something you can't control. By definition. If the prices are falling, sell the house, dumb fuck. But no. You want to cry and you want to be told what? Oh, I know this is so hard. It's not so hard. There's millions of children starving. There's people that are being absolutely tyrannized by their government. 
in the condo that you own in the greatest city in the history of mankind, your condo in Brooklyn, <gasps> it's going, it's undergoing a temporary reduction in price. My dad, my friends are leaving. Dad, my friends are leaving the city. What am I gonna? I can't have anyone to talk to. It's absurd. It's absurd that this father is being denigrated as toxic positivity. Let's go on. Okay. Okay, Mr. Uh, yeah, later in the article says, uh, he, the dad took the mom's advice. And, uh, he, yeah, he took his wife's comment that his positivity was annoying. Yeah, yeah. And he said it was eye-opening to realize that it's okay to be miserable once in a while. Yeah, it is. It is okay to be miserable once in a while. When an immediate friend or family member just died or is in the hospital actively fighting for their life. That's an excuse to be miserable. The normal consequent, the normal stakes of your day-to-day are a joke. It's laughable. These aren't problems, okay? It's okay to be miserable when the price of your house drops. That's, that's, oh, think about the fucking world. Again, how many people had lost their job? How many people had died at this point? Also, who gives a fuck? Again, What's your dad going to do about it? Dad! New York real estate markets. You want him to cry with you? Would that really make you feel better if he just sat there for six hours and cried with you? Oh, what are we going to do? <laughs> oh, you lost 10% of your net worth. And your friends. No, not your friends. Meanwhile, the dad's 60 years old. He's probably had friends die of COVID. <laughs> he probably has a couple friends that died of COVID. But, oh, God, he's toxic positivity. When he tries to tell his daughter it's not the end of the world that her condo went down 10% in value. <laughs> oh, this is such a fucking bullshit, weak fucking article. Let's see. All right. Uh, <laughs> what else? Have yeah, yes. And then, and then there's, this, uh, there's this section where it's like a recently widowed woman in Philadelphia whose refrigerator conked out the night before she was hosting family members for a Thanksgiving dinner. She recalled how her neighbor told her about her broken fridge. Her neighbor told her, in the scheme of things, this is a very minor problem. And what did that woman say? It wasn't a minor problem for me, she said. Well, maybe that's your problem. Maybe your problem is that you were trying to, I don't know, escape your fucking, again, you had a recent death. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, yeah. Of course, people die. In case you don't know how reality works, you're going to bury everyone you love or they're going to bury you. You're literally going to watch every single person you love die or they're going to watch you die. So I'm real. Uh, yes, I am sorry that you were widowed. But then to make it about the fridge, be honest. Be honest. You were ch- again, you were trying to, yes, you wanted to have a little nice escape and a nice, nice little fucking holiday dinner. That neighbor was completely right. The refrigerator breaking is a minor problem. Your husband dying is a major problem. And I understand that you're suffering from that major problem, but that doesn't give you just doesn't just give you the ability to pretend that now every problem is a major problem. You had a major problem. Yes, losing your husband, I will concede. That's a major problem. Your refrigerator is fucking meaningless. Who gives a fuck? Oh, oh, I'm 
not going to get the, the exact meal that I want for my family. And then they're going to be disappointed because my, 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 aunt, my aunt loves my casserole. Who gives a fuck? You don't care about the fridge. You're just looking for an excuse to, to let more of that sadness and negativity just bleed all over the world. The fridge is meaningless, okay? Order in. Order fucking Chinese food. Nobody gives a fuck anyway, okay? Nobody really likes your stuffing or turkey. Everybody eats the same thing, okay? Nobody cared, okay? Order Chinese. Order Chinese. Your refrigerator is a minor problem. Just because it feels like, well, my fridge broke and I can't have a good family Thanksgiving. And my, no, my life is falling apart. And, and, and I, this is the only family I have left. And, I, and I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make everything perfect because, you know, my, my husband died. And I, I don't have any much family. So, I, I, so that, this is my opportunity to shut the fuck up. Yes. It's a problem. You got a problem. But also, people die. And your fridge isn't a problem. That's complete fucking bullshit. That was one of the examples. Fridge. How long did you expect? And in, in, in what you said is the neighbor. A neighbor told her, in it's the scheme of things, this is a very minor problem. What did she think the neighbor, what did she expect the neighbor to say? Oh, my God. Wait. Your refrigerator conked out? Call the FBI. <laughs> Call in the troops. Wait, you're... Re no. Somebody called 911. This woman's refrigerator cocked out. <laughs> like, a neighbor. He was probably passing by in the trash room, and she was the fucking cry. I, I, I just, I, I... My fucking fridge broke. And he's like, yeah, yes. Well, I don't... In the scheme of things, it's a minor problem. He doesn't care. Nobody cares, okay? Really. Your husband died, and it's no one else's husband. The truth is... Everybody else, yeah, I have sympathy, sorry for your loss, but it's your grief. It's your problem. It's nice, the same way that it was your life with your husband, that's beautiful. You shared a nice, long, happy life with that man, and I'm glad you did. But the same way your life with him is your problem, it's your situation, his death is your problem and your situation. And it doesn't mean it's... Anytime anything goes wrong at all. Oh, I need, I, I had a flat tire. And the mechanic told me, oh, it's not a big deal. It's actually a minor problem. And I said, it's actually not a minor problem because my husband just died. No, no, it's still a minor problem. Insignificant problems are still insignificant. Even if you recently had something significant happen. And then there's this fucking, uh, what does it say? Telling someone, yeah, and this the article goes on. Telling someone who is in emotional pain to buck up is invalidating and dismissive. Not only are you diminishing their feelings, you're telling them that these feelings are part of their problem. They are, okay? The indulgence, the self-pity, the wallowing. Hmm, poor me. Mm, I, oh, things did not go exactly how I wanted. Your feelings are a part of the problem, and it's your job to handle those. And again, it's not wrong that you feel when your refrigerator breaks. Yeah, for a couple moments, for sure. Go, ah, fuck, my fridge broke. What can you do? What can you do? What can you actually do? You can change the situation. 
I don't know. Maybe use someone else's fucking fridge. Go to your fucking neighbor. <laughs> Ask if they can use their fridge. Go buy a new fridge. If there's a fucking 24-hour Walmart, you can change the situation. You can accept it. But you can leave it, okay? Oh, it's invalidating to tell someone to buck up. It's the answer. Misery loves company. Why do I have to join you in your shitty state? Okay? So you suffered some pain. Okay. You don't need to suffer because of it. The pain. The pain, you can't stop. The suffering, you can stop. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely... You're telling yourself a story. You're spinning yourself a story. About what happened to you. It's not... Things aren't going well for you. It's not fair. It's not. It's... Well, actually, is it invalidating to say, buck up? Maybe it's invalidating to emotional weakness. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, uh, no, I like that. Is it dismissive of weakness? Yes. Yes, it is. So yes, buck up. Not up. Everyone you love is going to die. You're going to die. You're going to suffer. You don't have to suffer. But you can experience some inconvenience and pain and problem every day of your life. What are you going to do? Are you gonna? Are you going to be dissolved? Are you going to emotionally decompose every time? You know what's going to happen. You know all of these things are going to happen. How long are you going to suffer them? And how do you know that your suffering is? There's a way to. There's a way to shorten that, right? You know, you know mindfulness meditation, right? You know that. Your suffering is something you're in love with. It gives you identity. It gives you victimization. You know that, you know. You just want to bring other people in. So it's like, you know, venting. Vent? Don't vent to me. I don't want to hear you vent. I don't want to hear you talk about negative stuff. Again, I mean, you could talk about the things that happen honestly, but beyond that, beyond what occurred, I don't want to just sit there and listen to you whine and complain. Where everybody's suffering, everybody has anxiety, depression. Everybody has their trauma. Everybody has the things they're perseverating on from the past, worried about in the future. You're not special that you're going through a hard time. Everybody feels like they're going through a hard time. Okay, nobody cares really about your hard time. And when you just meet that fact that people don't really care about your hard time, you don't get to call it toxic positivity, okay? It's your negativity that's meeting a positive, adjusted person. You're exhibiting toxic negativity. Oh, no, you're blaming them. Oh, you're the victim even more. Oh, you're, you're the victim once more. I get it. I get it. So first... The prices in the real estate were going down. What a tragedy. I mean, let's not talk about the literal slaves and child laborers and sex traffic children around the world, but no, no, those aren't real problems. Her, real, her condo value is temporarily decreasing. Ah, it's a tragedy. What a tragic life for this 32-year-old. <laughs> Born in the greatest country of all time. Boom! Born in the greatest country of all time at the greatest time in history. 
and her condo depreciated in value. And then she tried to tell her dad about how, how much of a crisis she was in. And then her dad was, oh, what a monster. He was positive <laughs> and saw the obvious optimism and non-justification for this suffering. And then, oh, what is she? So she's a victim of the stock market. And then her victim of the housing market. And then she's now a victim of the dad's toxic positivity. Ah, we live in a feminized bullshit culture, okay? It's disgusting. We went from tax, toxic fucking masculinity to toxic positivity. Yeah. Stop calling things toxic, dumb fucks. All right? Uh, and there's this psychologist that like, works at the McLean Hospital, whatever, Massachusetts. And he, she said, uh, when you meet negativity with a positive attitude, you basically are saying to someone that my comfort in this situation is more important than your reality. Now, I completely disagree, dude. That's fucking bullshit, man. The truth is, is I'm not involved, okay? I'm not involved. You, you came to me with something, okay? It's not about my comfort. It's all your problem. Everything in your life, every emotion, every one of your struggles is your problem. You basically are saying that someone, you're saying to someone, my comfort is more important than your reality. And it's bullshit, man. No, no, the truth is, is if someone's coming to me with something negative, their reality is more important than their comfort. I believe that. Their temporary discomfort because life didn't go exactly according to their plan doesn't matter. Life's never going to go according to your plan. It's going to break your plan every day, probably every hour, for the rest of your life. So your reality, which is that you're a 32 healthy woman with a partner in a condo in the greatest city in mankind, your reality is extraordinarily beautiful, and you have so much to be grateful for. But you want to you wanna have a moment. Uh. Go fuck yourself, all right? There's a very fucking, obviously, deep little fucking idea about, you know, what is suffering? You know, what the fuck? How much do you need to suffer? And I think this is actually an interesting debate. You know, I've, I've been very into, like, mindfulness meditation in the last couple of years. And I honestly, I felt like, I felt like I had a justification for all, all of my, you know, negative things that happened to me. And again, we all, we all, that's things everyone's like paying his maximum to them. I love that. Everybody has a reason to feel sorry for themselves. Everybody has multiple reasons, dozens of reasons, hundreds of reasons. At a level, it's like if you are looking for a reason to complain every day, you'll find not one, but many, many. If you are seeking suffering, well, you will literally find it every day for the rest of your life. Nothing will ever be perfect. Who told you you deserve perfect? Who cares what your expectations of reality are? Who says reality needs to fit your 
expectations. Maybe you need to fit your expectations to reality. Maybe you need to take radical personal responsibility in your life. You realize all of your emotions are your problem. How about that? Your dad beat you when you're younger? I don't care. All right? You're 27 now. What are you doing about that? Okay? I've said it before, but again, if, you, if you, your dad beat your ass every day till you were 18, and you're 30 years old beating the shit out of your wife, what do you... Uh, <laughs> My dad beat me. Okay? I don't know no better. I don't know no better. <laughs> Take responsibility. A hundred percent. Okay? Everything that happened to you is yours to deal with. Uh, it's no one else's. It's not any... Oh, somebody did something bad? Okay. Many people are going to do many bad, unwanted things to you. Are you going to be destroyed and decimated every time it happens? Are you going to be beaten down, demoralized? Shut up. You're going to have problems every day for the rest of your life, but these aren't even problems. They're just, they're just situations. Who cares? I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's an overindulgence in, uh, in negative emotion nowadays. I feel like there's... Like, empathy is like, uh, so many women are like, uh, I'm an empath. <laughs> what I'm really, what the world would be a better place for if there's more empathy. The world would be a better place. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because you want people to care about your feelings more. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the world would be a better place with more empathy or it would be a better place with more realism. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and more gratitude. I don't, I don't know if empathy is actually what we necessarily need. It's like, yeah, fuck, I don't know. Toxic positivity, go fuck yourself, okay? When, if you want other people to just, you know, again, acknowledge how you feel. Like, acknowledging how you feel should be moments. Moments, okay? You and your own self. Like, I don't understand why people feel the need constantly to, to bring other people into what should be a, a transitory confrontation with pain in their life it's like this idea of like venting and like i just i just gotta i just gotta i gotta feel this deep and i just gotta i just need some time i need some time but it's like do you do you need some time i need to buck up and realize that your life will have pain con consistently forever and this idea that you shouldn't have any of that pain or you deserve to not have that pain is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. You will have pain. But you never need to suffer. I love that. You never need to suffer. You don't have to wallow in self-pity. You don't have to say, poor little me. Okay? You don't. Yeah, you feel depression, anxiety. Welcome to life. Okay? You have a problem. Somebody died. Somebody hurt your feelings. Somebody broke up with you. Somebody cut you off in traffic. Whoa. No way, man. Hey, really? Life didn't go according to your plan? Buckle the fuck up, okay? Address reality exactly as it is. Have the courage to face what is really inside you stop sweeping things under the rug
tear off the rug. Look at what's underneath. Observe what is happening around you as it is, not as you want it to be. Oh, my refrigerator broke. Literally no one in the world cares about that besides you. And I know you want sympathy, but that's because you're a negative, toxic person. So you, you want to feel like you know, other people see how hard your life is. Nobody gives a fuck. Everybody's got their own shit, whatever. That fridge doesn't matter to anyone else. It's literally your problem, and it is a minor problem. And I know it doesn't feel good to hear that, but it's true. It's true, man. It's a fucking fridge, okay? And that other dumb 32-year-old fucking whiny bitch. It's a condo, okay? I want to I wanna go on Sunday dinners with my friends. Shut the fuck up. We live in such a bullshit little fucking PC soft comfort first culture. Uh, <laughs> I do love this quote from my hero Bill Cosby. Um, and he's he's not my hero because of because of his comedy. Not a fan at all. He is my hero be- exclusively because of his his rape record. It's uh amazing. <laughs> it's the greatest in comedy history so far. So far so far (laughs) according to bill cosby this is his quote men and women belong to different species and communications between them is still in its infancy yeah yeah communications between (laughs) men and women were definitely definitely in their infancy for bill i mean i would argue that communications were not even infant they were non-existent because he just drugged them and then raped them uh, unconscious in his bedroom so yeah 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 he's definitely lived his values yep he uh (laughs) He thought communication was hopeless between men and women, so he avoided it completely. You know, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He is innocent. OJ's innocent. <laughs> Everybody's innocent. All right, that's an hour. I don't know, man. Fuck you. <laughs>